0: We're continuing our series today called Pray First. And hopefully, you all have your Pray First journals. If not, you can grab one of those, Uh, the ushers have them. Make sure you grab one of those on your way out. Keep bringing it with you because we're going to talk more on this next week. So you can keep making your notes in here and use this as a prayer journal while you're at home. And the whole idea behind this series is that we want to be a people who pray first, not just pray as a last resort. Now, I remember it was 15 years ago today. That's something that every single one of us as Americans, we're always going to remember what happened. Uh, Probably many of you like me, you woke up in the morning and either turned on the TV or heard the radio, but you heard about the attack that we were under. And our nation was just distraught. It was a horrific thing that had occurred. We were brokenhearted. And what happened was everybody went to church. I think every church probably in all of the country had a prayer meeting that night and it was packed out. People that had probably never been to a church before came to a church and they began to pray for God to come and to do something to bring healing to our nation. And that's beautiful. It's, it's terrible that it took such a tragedy like that for, for something like this to happen, but I'm glad that at least we still have some sort of a conscious where we know that in our time of trouble we go to God and we seek after Him. But what I'm saying is let's continue that. Let's not just let it be something that happens in a moment of tragedy or crisis in our life. Let's not make prayer a last resort. Let's make it the first response that we have for everything inside of our life. And even not just tragedies, but even good things that happen. Like when something great happens in your life, thank God for him. Uh, Thank God for that. Just begin to pray. When something bad happens, pray about it. When life's just a normal, average day, pray to God and come to him in everything that you have in prayer. Now, I think most people agree that prayer is powerful, that prayer changes things, and we want to be people who pray. But many people don't know how to pray. We want to be able to pray powerful and effective prayers. And so the disciples have this same sort of question, and they come to Jesus and they're asking him, Jesus, how do we pray like you? Because when you pray, stuff happens. Like When they're praying and they knew how to pray, uh, they've been praying their whole lives. They were good Jewish kids. They had prayers for every situation you can imagine and blessings and even curses. Uh, We don't memorize curses a whole lot anymore. That's probably a good thing. But they they know a, a prayer response for every situation in life. But yet the way Jesus prayed was different and the miraculous life and ministry of Jesus was fueled by his prayer. So the disciples, seeing the way that Jesus lived and seeing his ministry and wanting that for themselves, they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us to pray like you pray. And Jesus responds to his disciples by saying this in Matthew uh, chapter six. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Now the first thing that we need to understand about this is Jesus is teaching us a pattern for prayer. He's not saying, recite this exactly, forward it on to ten friends and you'll have good luck and if you don't, you're going to be cursed. That's the way we tend to think of this. It's like the email forward that we have to pass on to someone. But this isn't something we're supposed to just recite blindly. It's a pattern that we use so that we can then pray personally ourselves. And last week we talked about that first sentence, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And what that means is the first part of prayer for us, and honestly, where I spend the majority of my time when I'm praying, is connecting to God relationally, saying, God, you're my Father. You're not a far, distant, removed God who isn't concerned about what's going on in my life. Uh, You are my Father. That's how you've revealed yourself to me. You're my Heavenly Father, my good and perfect Father. And you want to spend time with me. You've called me your daughter. You've called me your son. I'm your child now. I've been adopted into your family. And you want to connect relationally with me. And so that has to be our first desire when we come to pray. We're not just coming to God with our laundry list of things that we need and then hanging up the phone. We're going there and the first thing we're doing is just spending time connecting with God, enjoying his presence. And honestly, that's the greatest blessing that I have in life. It's not all the stuff God does for me, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But better than the stuff that he's done for me is his presence. Knowing his love, encountering his love, me being able to express my love to him. And so we talked about what hallowed be your name means. It means just begin to worship the many names of God. I talked about this week, I was thinking a lot about the God who is there. We talked about that last week. Eight different names and how we can begin to see God's character in the different names. We begin to worship him for being that. So this week, as I was encountering a tough time, I was thinking, God, I'm so grateful that you've revealed yourself, that the part of your essence of who you are is that you're the God who's there. And that no matter what happens, no matter what ruin might occur inside of my life, no matter how uh, desperate I might become or alone I might feel, you are the God who is there. You have never abandoned me. You have never forsaken me. Thank you, God, for your presence in my life. Thank you that you love me that greatly. Or think about it, if you need healing inside of your life, God, thank you that you're my healer. God, thank you that you're my righteousness. I just spend, this is what I do every every single morning, is I just put on some worship music, and I sing through the songs, and uh, I don't sound as good as our team here, but it doesn't matter. He's my daddy, he thinks I sound great. And I just worship him 15, 20 minutes. I just worship him and thank him for who he is. But after that, we move into what's called the petition part of prayer. And this is where we do begin to ask God to do things. And some of us have a hard time with this because we feel like, I don't want to bother God. I don't want to ask him for things. I haven't been good enough to deserve good things, so I don't want to ask him for that or you think maybe God's going to get mad at me. It just feels awkward for me to do this. And I can completely understand that because uh, as a kid, I, I hated asking anybody for anything. When I go to a friend's house, now I would starve to death before I asked them if I could have a snack. My family ate late, like 8 o'clock dinner type of family, and then after dinner, you'd stuff yourself with an ice cream sundae before you went to bed. It was like setting me up for <laughs> diabetes, I guess. was That was the plan my parents had or something. But it was like you ate late and you went to bed full. And I'd go, I remember going to one friend's house on a Friday night as a kid, and they were uh eat dinner at 5 o'clock at the latest kind of family. So when I got there at 6 o'clock, they would already eaten. And I'm hungry. And it gets to be 8 o'clock, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so hungry. And they don't eat. I don't, they fast or something after the sun goes down. And I'm, just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. Please offer me food at some point. But I felt too awkward to ask them about that. So I was waiting, I was like, you know, woke up before the sun came up. I'm just waiting to hear someone moving around in the house so we can go eat breakfast. But I was too scared to ask for something that simple that they, certain, they feel terrible. I hope they're not listening now because, of, oh my gosh, poor Jeremy, I was starving him. And, but what was different was when I was in my house, I was like, mom, dad, I need food now. Like I'd ask all the time. I was eating them out of house and home. I had no problem asking my parents. Why? Because they're my parents. I understand the relationship that I have with them. It's not a bother for me to ask them for the things that I need. They want to give me the things that I need. That's a part of their relationship with me. It's one of the things that they delight in doing. When my kids ask me for some food, I'm never like, you terrible ingrates. Like, what have you done to deserve dinner tonight? I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to take care of you. I want to make sure that you're healthy. I want to make sure that you have dinner. It's my delight as a parent to be able to give my kids the things that they need. And what we have to understand is that with our Heavenly Father, He's inviting us to come to Him. He wants us to come before the throne room and bring the things that we need before Him. That's a part of the honor and the privilege that we have in prayer is that our God's concerned with us. He wants to provide for us. In fact, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, you have not because you ask not. So what does that mean? That means that there are things that you need to ask God for. There are things that God is just waiting to do in your life, but he wants you to come and to ask him for those things first. He wants us to be a people that do petition him. It's not a relationship where we're just, oh God, I'm so glad that you're so good and I'm so unworthy and I'm just going to get out of your presence now. I'm sorry I was bothering you. It's we can come in boldly now before the throne of grace. We just have to make sure that we're doing it in the right way. And that's why we start by relationally connecting with God. That's why we start with praising him, with glorifying him. And again, that's where I spend most of my time when I pray. It's just enjoying the presence of God, enjoying the fact that he is my father and that I'm one of his children. But then after that, we move into the petition part of prayer. And for us to be able to pray powerfully and effectively, these are the things that we need to do. Is First of all, we need to pray God's agenda. It says, Your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what that means is that when we pray God's agenda, we pray in a way that recognizes that it's all about Him. You might say, What's about Him, my prayer? Everything. Everything's about Him. My life, my living, my being, it's all about God. This isn't the story of Jeremy. I'm Jeremy, but I'm a part of the story of Jesus. I've been included in that story. I'm so grateful for that. And that's why we always have to, that's why we're praying. It's all about Him. We pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not, we don't approach God and petition and say, God, I need my kingdom to come. And I need my will to be done in heaven as it is on earth. And my will isn't even done on earth. As it is in my mind, God, let it be done in heaven. You know why we don't pray that? Because it's not about us. This world is not about us. It's like my kids. Have you ever noticed that your kids think that the world revolves around them and that the world is all about them? And what we're trying to do is to help them realize that that's not the case. Like every child, I love my kids. They are unique. They are individual. They are special. They have infinite value and worth inside of them. But this world is not the story of my son or of my daughter. It's the story of God and what it is that He's doing. And I'm so glad that I have just a small bit part in this story that's been going on for all of eternity, that God has included me in the cast that's a part of this story. I will always be grateful for that, that God would love me so much to include me in that. But the world doesn't revolve around me, and it doesn't revolve around you. So we have to make sure that when we come to God and we're praying according to His agenda, that we recognize that the things that we're praying for shouldn't be centered around us, around what we want best for our own life, what we need to make the world recognize how special and talented we really are. Our prayers need to be centered around the fact that we want God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven because this is all about him. Everything in this world is all about God. And then secondly, Here's what we do is we pray for what we want, not what we need. Have you ever noticed that? If you guys found the the genie in a bottle, and now I'm having that terrible song go through my head. If you're a 90s kid, I'm sorry. If you could have just one wish, what would you wish for? The car that you've always wanted? I would love a yellow Lamborghini. I love those scissors doors. So if any of you are shopping for me for Christmas this year, you can put that one on your list the home that you want on the land, on the lake, or whatever it is. Those are all things that we want. But how many of you would pray, God, I I just hope that you use some terrible, crushing hardship inside of my life to build character and perseverance inside of me? Who would pray for that if you got the one wish from the genie? Any of us? No. You don't want that. My kids, what they want is for me to just give them Laffy Taffy all day long. (laughs) You know what they never want me to do is take them to the doctor to get shots. (laughs) Why? Because the shot hurts them and the Laffy Taffy is wonderful. They think it tastes good. But if I just give them the Laffy Taffy, they're going to die. I mean, you can't just survive on that. And if they never get their shots, they're probably going to die too. But I allow them to go through some painful moments in their life so that they can be healthy and so that they can grow and mature and walk into the destiny for which they've been called. My kids have never once thanked me for taking them to the doctor to get a shot. Not once. It's probably one of the best things I've done for them, but they have never thanked me for it. They have never woken up and asked my kids, hey, what do you guys want to do today? Let's go to the doctor. They never have said that. But it's good for them. Because they, they don't understand that there's a difference between what they want and what it is that they really need. But our Heavenly Father knows the difference between those two if we just pray according to our will and according to our agenda, we will never have the things that we need inside of our life. We'll just ask for the things that we want that will bring destruction inside of us, and we'll avoid all of the things that God would use to develop character and holiness and godliness inside of our lives. And then also, when we pray God's agenda, our prayers get answered. And this is good because I like having my prayers answered. And it says this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. So think about this verse. This is what it's saying, is that we have an incredible confidence in prayer. It's not that we have a hope that's in prayer. We have a confidence inside of prayer. And this is what it is. is that when we're praying for the things that are on the heart of God, when we're praying according to God's agenda, we know that he hears our prayers. And if we know that he hears our prayers, then we know that we are going to receive the things that we have asked for. When we pray according to God's will, What it's saying, just to summarize it, you pray according to God's will, you pray according to His agenda, and you're going to see the answer to those prayers. That is a powerful verse. That's one you should highlight, you should mark, underline, make it a memory verse, whatever you need to do, because you need to get this inside of you. Because what it's going to do is build faith inside of you when you pray. And when you pray with faith, your prayers are answered. Again and again, when we read about the the ministry of Jesus, he's going around and people are coming to him and they're needing different things. And he's always looking at them and he's saying, according to your faith, let it be done. It says that he's amazed at different times by the faith of the people. It says, and seeing their faith, the healing came to them. Seeing their faith, what it was that they were coming and petitioning God for was given to them. But how many times do we pray without faith? Because we don't know if it's really what God wants. This is one of the things that I think about a lot is what happens when God visits me and he says to me, according to your faith, let it be done. Will I see the fulfillment of what it is that God's called me to and the vision that he's put inside of my life for the ministry and the way that he's called me to affect and to change the world for his glory? Or is nothing going to happen because I don't have faith for anything in this life for what God wants to do? When we pray according to God's will, Faith rises up inside of us because we all know that God is a miracle-working God. There is nothing that he can't do. And we believe that he can raise the dead. We believe that he heals the sick. We believe that he's able to restore marriages. We believe that he's able to bring deliverance to people and to break every chain. Every bondage can be completely broken inside of our lives. That's just what the Bible is filled with. You just see miracle after miracle, and you look at the church ever since then till now. We continue to see miracle after miracle according, uh, happening inside of our own lives. God's a miracle-working God. But he's also a God that says that he's going to reveal his will to us and when we pray according to his will, that then we're going to see the answer to those prayers. So if you believe that God's a miracle-working God and you know what God's will is and you pray for that, you have to be filled with faith. There's no other way that you can feel. How can you have doubt inside of your heart when you're praying for something that you know God wants to do and you know that he has the power to do it? That's what this verse is talking about and that's why I pray with perseverance for people, for friends and family members that are in my family that uh, are not following Jesus right now. I know what God's will is. It says that his will is that none should perish but that all should be saved. That's God's agenda for every single person and so what I do is I come and I was praying for one friend for 20 years and just recently made the decision to follow Jesus. I'm still so happy about that but for 20 years I'm praying for this friend who's doing everything he can to to walk away from Jesus and sexual immorality and drugs and alcohol and every other sort of thing that you can imagine. He's pursuing it. He's running away from God. He's running away from God. He's rejecting God and I'm praying, God, I know what your will is for his life. You've called him to be a son. You paid the price on the cross to free him and to redeem him to bring him salvation. God, according to your will, would you reveal yourself in his life that he would come to that moment where he surrenders his life to you and receives the life that you have for him. And I prayed for 20 years, daily, day after day after day, when it seemed impossible, like every time I prayed, he got worse. But one day, God answered that prayer. And I believe that there are friends and family members and coworkers in your life, people that God has put on your heart, and you know what God's will is for them. He doesn't want them to perish. He wants them to have life eternal. He wants them to be saved. What he's looking for is people like you who will come alongside and say, God, I know what your will is and I'm going to come and I'm going to seek. I'm going to ask. I'm going to knock. I'm going to continue to go after you and believe you for this filled with faith until I see the answer to that prayer. And I'm never going to give up. If it takes 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, that prayer might not even be answered in my lifetime, but I know that it will be one day. My great-grandma lived to be 102 years old, a great godly woman from my 10-year-old memory of her, uh, but her son was not following Jesus. When she passed away at the age of 102, it looked like her prayers had gone unanswered. But her son at the age of 90 made a decision to follow Jesus one month before he passed away to go and to meet his Savior. Our prayers are powerful. You might not ever see the answer to the prayer that you've been praying in your lifetime. You might not ever be aware of the fact that God has answered it, but when we pray according to God's will and we persevere and we never give up and we continue to petition the King of Heaven to exert His power to accomplish His will, our prayers are powerful and they are effective. And that's why it's so important that we pray faith-filled prayers according to God's will. Because when we pray His will and we'll persevere in it, we will see the answer to those prayers. One of the questions then is, how do we know what God's will is? There's a million situations in this world. How do we know what it is that God wants to do? How did I know that what God's will was for my friend? Because I had read it in the Bible. I knew what it said in 2 Timothy chapter 2. The best way, the easiest, fastest way that you can begin to know what God's will is so you know how to pray effectively according to his will is to begin to read your Bible. And I encourage you, get a plan. If you're not reading your Bible, man, you are missing out on so much because you're just going to keep guessing all the time about what God wants to do. You're not going to understand his nature. You're not going to understand the heart and the character of God. So you won't know what he wants to do. But if you'll begin, and this happens to me every day when I'm reading my Bible, I begin to see more of of God's will for my life. And I begin to pray according to God's will for my own life. I begin to pray more for God's will for my children and for my family and for other people. And every single day, I'm amazed by how even though I've read this verse 20, 30, 50 times, God continues to speak to me and continues to reveal himself to me. So you can never separate reading scripture from prayer. It's an impossibility. I can't pray without reading my Bible, and I can't read my Bible without praying. Because I used to be a person, I have a reading plan, I'm just going to follow it And I encourage you, get a reading plan, follow it. We even have one for you if you want to read through the New Testament in 24 weeks. Stop by the information table and get one. Go to BibleGateway.com. They have all kinds of uh, reading plans you can customize there. But begin to understand what God's will is for you. And then as you're reading scripture, take notes. When you see something like, oh, wow, my life doesn't look like that at all. God, would you make my life line up with your will? God, I see in my family that we aren't lining up with what it is that you've revealed in your scripture. So God, would you cause my family to come into alignment with your will? Read your Bibles. Find out what God's will is so that when you come and you ask God for things, you have a confidence knowing that you are praying heaven's agenda and that as you pray God's will, you are going to see the answer to your prayers. Uh, number two, pray from a position of complete dependence. It says, Give us today our daily bread. Our daily bread, we need it today. See, what happens is my kids, they live under this false assumption that they don't need me. They're two and four, and they think as long as they've got a, a big bag of goldfish and they've got some apple juice and they've got some Paw Patrol on an iPad, like they don't need me. Like, <laughs> look what my own hand hath wrought. Look what I have created for myself. What they don't realize is that I bought the goldfish, that I bought the iPad, and that I bought the apple juice. They have provided none of these things for themselves. They are completely dependent upon me for their very life. They can't do anything without me. And we're the same way. We think, look, I've earned everything that I have. I've worked hard in my career. I went to school, got an education so that I can do this. I've saved. I've been financially wise. Like, I don't need God for my daily bread, God. I don't need you for these different things. People get offended by that. They're like, I earned this myself. Did you create yourself? I says in the Bible that you know, we can't even turn the color of our hair. Now I know according to you know the modern of dye and everything else, it's a quite a popular thing. But you can't do, I can't just will my hair to be a different color. If I could will my hair to do things, I'd have a lot more hair than I do now and a lot less forehead. <laughs> but I can't even do that for myself. I was fearfully and wonderfully knit together in my mother's womb. I can't create life. I can't control what I look like. I can't extend the days of my life. The reason that I have a job is because God gave me the ability to have a job. Because God created me and gave me a personality and the understanding and the bent that I have in my life because he called me to do what it is that I'm doing. He's provided everything for me and I am 100% completely and utterly dependent upon him every second of my life. He sustains the breath that's inside of my lungs. The entire universe is held together by God. He put it into place. He sustains it. And if he ever decides to stop sustaining life, my 401k isn't going to do very much for me. It doesn't matter how hard I studied, how hard I worked. When the universe implodes, it's all over, people. We need Jesus. And when you come to the place of prayer, if my kids came to me and they asked me for something, they're like, hey, Dad, refill the goldfish. I deserve it. What are you talking about? I'm eat every last goldfish you have because I'm not a, a good father like God is. I'm vengeful <laughs> when it comes to goldfish. <laughs> but when, I come, when they came to me and recognized I'm completely dependent upon you, then I'm a lot more gracious. Because it says that God opposes the proud, but he exalts the humble. When you humble yourself and you become before your heavenly Father, recognizing that you are completely and utterly dependent upon Him for everything in your life, you will begin to see your prayers be more powerful than you ever knew. Amen. Brother Abraham, or Pastor Abraham, or Father Abraham—I forget what to call him—our missionary in India with many sons or just one—he <laughs> he tells me that he learned to pray because he is a powerful, powerful man of prayer. And I was asking him one day about his prayer life and what he had done to develop this. And he said, I learned to pray because I had no money. And I was living on the streets of India without a home. And I had no food. And every day I prayed, God, would you provide me with a meal? And he'd go four or five days at a time without any food, praying and fasting, not for spiritual reasons, but because it was forced upon him. Because he recognized that he was completely dependent upon God's provision. There was nothing that he could do. And because he learned to be dependent upon God and pray God's will, filled with faith, now he has over 4,000 churches that he started. He's built... uh, colleges where the orphans that we support are then able to go and get a four-year degree in engineering. He's been able, I mean, what has happened in his life, he's built hospitals, he's built retirement homes for the pastors, and all this, Pastor Abraham, how did you do this? He's like, oh, Jeremy, I just fasted and prayed. I'm like, what do you know? Like, tell me, what was the five-year plan that you had? What was, you know, what was the secret here? Who would you talk to? He's like, I just fast and I pray. That's the only thing I know how to do because I'm completely dependent upon God for everything. He's a humble man. And because of that humility, God has exalted him. And when we humble ourselves, I believe to the degree that we humble ourselves, we will be exalted by our Heavenly Father. We have to learn that we depend upon God for everything and we need to be grateful when we come into the place of prayer, but that we also need to pray with fervency because what I have provided for myself isn't enough for tomorrow. It's not even enough for today. Every day I need God to show up and to sustain me. And then number three, we need to pray for our own hearts. It says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now what God is saying is that you can spend a lot of time praying for everybody else, but more important than someone else's heart is your own heart. Because it's out of the overflow of our hearts that life happens. The most powerful thing that will happen in your life isn't when God changes someone else. It's when God changes you. And that's why Jesus says you need to pray this because it's not easy for us to forgive other people. When we've been wronged by someone, what we want is justice, we want vengeance, we want to prove ourselves right. But what Jesus says is don't pray for those things. You pray for your own heart that you're able to forgive the person who's wronged you. Psalm 139 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David understands this. God, my heart's messed up. There are areas of my heart that need repentance where I need to confess sin. God, I even need you to point it out because I have this blissful ignorance going on inside of my life where I don't recognize these sin issues that are occurring inside of me and keeping me from living out what you've called me to live. So God, I need you to come and I need to reveal these sin issues inside of my own heart. And then I need you to change me. I need you to change my heart and form me and shape me into your own image. I want to show you guys this real quickly, real practically, how it is that you can put this petitioning uh, into practice. Last week we talked about praising God, and I gave you eight different names for how to uh, worship God and to, to worship his character and who he is. And this is the way that I approach my petitioning portion of prayer. And I want you to write these down. There are five different things that I pray for and it's called ripple prayers. It's like if you throw a stone into a lake, what happens is there's these, from where the stone hits the water, there's different ripples that go out farther and farther away. So where that stone hits the water, that's like your heart, and that's the first thing I pray for is my own heart like we were just talking about. When I, when I, after I'm done worshiping God and I begin to petition him, I say, God, would you search my heart? God, would you change me? God, I know that I'm struggling with unforgiveness towards this person. God, I know that I'm struggling with pride in this area, defensiveness, uh, anger, whatever it might be. But God, I need you to change my heart. I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be like you. I don't want to live out of my own fallenness and brokenness. God, would you come and even reveal to me the areas of sin in my life that I'm not even aware of? where I need you to do a work inside of me. So that's what I begin with. I begin with my own heart. I don't pray for other people to begin with. Even if I'm having problems with other people, I say, God, am I the problem here? God, show me what it is that I need to do. Change me. Allow me to be able to love other people like you love them and have grace and mercy and forgiveness in my heart towards them. And then after I'm done praying for my heart, which takes a really long time, uh, I pray for my family because that's kind of the next layer out for me is I pray for my wife and I pray for my children. I pray things like God protect them and, you know, bless them and all these other things and keep them safe. But I also pray for different things that are going on in their life. My kids are in this phase right now where they say, me first, me first, me first. If I'm getting them popsicles, they're like, me, me, me. You know, you don't have to teach your kids to do that. It's just part of the brokenness in their own heart. And so what I do is there's discipline. I'm like, hey, whoever says me first, you're automatically last. So I'm doing something to try to teach them not to do that. But that's not changing their heart. They're just still trying to find a way to get the popsicle first by not saying me first. They're trying to bait each other into saying it. So their heart hasn't changed. And so what I do is I'm doing things in the physical to try to shape their behavior, but I need God to change their heart. And so this has been one of the things that's on my, in my prayer journal as I write, God, for my kid's heart, it says that you want us to not think of our own needs, but we want us to put the needs of others above our own. So God, in my kid's life, even as a two-year-old and a four-year-old, I need you to work on their heart to make it so that they love each other more than they love themselves, so that they're thinking of each other more than they're thinking of themselves, so that they delight in putting others above themselves. Because right now what's happening is it's just me first and there's a spiritual problem that's going on there. And so when I'm praying, I'm identifying the different things in my marriage, in my relationships with my kids, with my sisters, parents. And I'm not just praying God bless them, but I'm I'm trying to get down and recognizing what it is that's going on and praying specifically for those things. Because we might be able to modify someone's behavior in the natural, but we can't change someone's heart. And that's what we need is heart change. The third thing I pray for is Radiant Church. Uh, This is near and dear to my heart, obviously. But after my family, this is the, the next most important thing to me. And so I'm praying for all of the leaders that are in the church. I'm praying for all of you as you come with different prayer requests. I have those written down in my journal and some other people on the prayer team. And we're praying for you, the things that you're going through. I'm praying that God would give us wisdom. I'm praying that God would give us his presence. That's the thing we want more than anything. It's like, God, let Radiant Church be a place where your glory dwells. When people come in, they encounter your presence. They don't just hear a, a semi-funny sermon and you know some really great worship but that they encounter your presence because that changes everything. God, for our children's ministry. God, would you let every worker be filled with joy and with passion for seeing a generation change and a foundation laid in their heart. God, I pray for every child, Lord, that they would have encounters with you that change them. They'd learn to love you and to follow after you and learn to worship and to pray and that they would never depart from this path all the days of their life. I'm praying even for the greeters. Like God, is as, as people come in, let them experience the joy of our salvation in the way that they're greeted. I'm praying for a building. The whole setup team, man, we are praying for a building. And I'm pr- and all the different things that are going on, I'm just praying, God, would you bring these things for the church? Because I recognize that Radiant Church and what God's called us to is going to be incredible. It's already been incredible and what's happening in our community, but this is just the beginning of what God's called us to. It was birthed in prayer, it's sustained in prayer, and we're only going to move into everything that God's called us to as we continue to pray. So pray for Radiant Church. And then I'm praying for my friends. Uh, you pray for your coworkers. Pray for other people. Uh, you know, whatever it is that's going on. I'm even praying for our missionaries and different things like that. As I know what Brother Abraham's going through, I'm praying for him or for different pastors that he shared with me about. I'm praying, you could be praying for people at the office and you know that uh, you know they're having problems with their kid or there's financial issues or there's a health issue, marriage issue, whatever it is. Write these things down and begin to pray for these people. That's the next layer that's out. And then, lastly, I pray for the government. And not just, I pray for you know, our own city, I pray for our state, I pray for our nation, I pray for the nations. Because those who rule over us, they've been appointed by God, and we need to honor them, we need to love them, we need to submit to them, and we also need to pray for them because it's a complex world, and I know that we're all experts in domestic and foreign policy on Facebook, but the truth is we don't have a clue. That's the worst job in the world. I would never, ever want to be in that position because the world rulers, they need godly wisdom. And so I pray, God, I recognize that you're the one. It says that Jesus, the government of the world is upon your shoulders, and of its increase, there shall be no end. But Jesus, I pray that you would bring godly counselors to speak wisdom and life and encouragement to those who rule over the nations. And in this post 9-11 world, as we reminded, the world has become more complex and more confusing than ever before. And there is such a need for wisdom for our rulers and for blessing on them and for peace for them and joy. I can't imagine any one of them really enjoys being a world ruler. But God's appointed them for his plans and for his purposes. And so we pray blessing over them. We pray peace and prosperity over them. We pray that God would move on their heart. And the most important thing that could happen for them is from the comfortable place of where they bend a knee before the King of all kings and confess that He is Lord. So we pray for our heart, pray for your family, uh, pray for Radiant Church. You might flip it around, it might be different for you. Uh, pray for your coworkers, your friends, others and pray for the government and world rulers. Now make your list in your prayer first journal. Write that out. Begin to make an every day when you go and pray start out just worshiping God, glorifying him, thanking him and then move into the petition part of your prayer and this is a challenge to you every week. I mean every day this week do that. I know for some of you you were emailing me and letting me know how great it was because you were taking up the worshiping part of prayer this last week and how much closer you felt to God and how you encountered him. Keep doing that. And now make a list in your prayer journal and every day after you get done worshiping God, open that up and begin to pray through. Some of you probably thought, how could I ever pray for 30 minutes? Those radicals that do that, how on earth? Tell you what, if you just worship Jesus for a little bit and then pray through these things, how can you, I mean, it's tough to keep it to 30 minutes. You will be able to pray more than you ever thought that you could. And if you do this, you're not going to see just how easy and how beautiful prayer is, but you're going to see how powerful prayer is. And that's my great hope for you. That's why we're doing this series. That's why we got you these journals. because if you take hold of these things and put these into your everyday life, you will see God move in you. You will know his love and presence like never before. And you will see the world around you change beyond your wildest dreams. We just have to be a people who pray. You stand up with me. Let's just ask God to speak to our hearts now in this time. We'll just be still and silent before him. God, we're your servants and we're your children. Would you speak to our hearts now? God, would you burden our hearts for the things that you've called us to persevere in prayer for? And this morning, what I think God's calling us to be is a people who will stand in the gap, a people who will pray God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven in our own lives, in our families, in our church, in our city, in our workplaces. And right now, I believe God is burdening your heart. He's putting someone, he's putting something on your heart where he wants you to intercede. He wants you to pray his will over this person or this situation. And he's calling you to commit to that and to never give up until you see the answer to that prayer. And it might be tomorrow, it might be in a week, it might be in a year, a decade, you might not see the, the answer to it in this lifetime. But we know God's timing is perfect and we can trust him in that. But what we need to do is we need to make that commitment. This morning, will you make that commitment before God as he's speaking to your heart? And For some of you this morning, God's revealing himself as Father and he's calling to you as his child. He's calling you to respond to him. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to accept his love, his grace and his mercy in your life, to seek forgiveness of sin. Or maybe you have, but you've walked away and it's not that father relationship anymore and you might feel like there's distance or awkwardness and you don't know how to come back, because we need to know your Father loves you and he's filled with grace and mercy for you and he's been calling to your heart just as he is this morning right now and all you have to do is to respond to him. Now if that's you, you, just pray and say, God, forgive me. I accept your love. I accept your life. And I submit myself to you this morning. From this moment forward, I'm going to follow you with everything that's inside of me. You are the Lord of my life. You are my hope for salvation. You are my Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I love... And I love praying. wish we could do that all day. We're going to do a prayer service one of these days. I'm inspired now. But hey, if you're a guest here today, thank you so much for being here with us. Actually, you know what? I'm getting out of order. We're going to do our offering now and there's something I was supposed to share with you. Uh, we got, I just got this card this morning actually handed off to me and you guys know we've been doing the Ford ELC drive and uh, this note says, Thank you. For the supplies. I am so grateful for Radiant Church. The church has done so much for my classroom and my students. Thank you for all the clothes and snacks for my students last year and for everything this year. Ford ELC is blessed by Radiant every day. Thank you." So, that's worth applauding. Thank you. Thank you for getting behind that. Lives are being changed. So, Father, as we give to you, we thank that you first gave to us. And, God, we pray over 40LC, Lord, that you would continue to move mightily in that place. God, that you would continue to be the provision for these children. And, Lord, that you would step into their situation and that you would reveal yourself as Father. And, God, that you would lead them into life everlasting. God, a blessing over every child, every faculty member, every family. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. That's going around. Now, thank you. If you're here first time today, you are our guest. Thank you so much for being here with us. We would love to have you fill out one of the communication cards. You probably received one as you came in. If not, stop by the information table. You can fill one out, and I'll shoot you an email this week just welcoming you to Radiant Church. We also have a free uh, Radiant t-shirt for you as our gift and way of saying thank you for being here. Also, uh, we're kicking off Fearless in two weeks. And what this is, for those of you who weren't here last week, we're doing a six-week series that's going to look at the different fears that we all struggle with with that keep us from living out everything God's called us to in this life. And to go along with the sermon series, we're doing community groups that are going to meet once a week for six weeks. And uh, we want everybody to go and sign up for one. There's a fearless table out there that has all the different groups listed. You can sign up. It's just an hour and a half meeting once a week where there's going to be a, a short video that you watch and then some group discussion questions. And I can't encourage you enough. It's going to be so good. Every single one of us needs community. So stop by the fearless table. You can get one of the cards or you can register for a group online at radianta2.com and you'll see the fearless tab right on the top. So check that out. I'm going to call the prayer partners forward. If we can pray for you about anything this morning, they're just going to be right here in this middle section. Please let us pray for you because we see God move miraculously every single week in response to the prayers of his people. If not, go out, grab some coffee, eat some snacks, make some friends. If you don't have your journal, grab one and then remember to bring it back next week as we conclude our series, Pray First. Thanks so much. God bless. We'll see you next week.